gentlemen boys girls aliens martians any conscious being tuning into the podcast i welcome you to episode three of martian mixed martial arts this week my guest is a near and dear friend of mine he goes by the name Don, and uh here he is how we doing what's up my man how's it going good man good we got we got a lot to cover this week we can uh, we're gonna break down what we saw last week six days ago at, on ufc fresno and then we're going to talk about the card going on tomorrow night in Winnipeg, headlined by Rafael Dos Anjos versus Robbie Lawler. So uh, right off the bat, we're just going to dive into last week, you know, take a, 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 take a rewind and uh, talk about the Fresno card. Uh, I actually came over to your house last week to, to watch this card, and overall, n- not, too, uh, not too great of a card. What yeah. do you think? I mean, I was excited. I was watching. <laughs> I thought we had a good... Uh few good fights on there. It was cool to see Ortega pull out, pull out the win like Cole. I mean, for a guy so young and just to have that record to go to 13 and know it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting that at all. The main event did not go how how I planned. Um, you lost lost a good amount of bets that night. I was going to say, uh, we were talking throughout the thing about how your bets were going. It didn't sound too good. Yeah, that was kind of sad <laughs> to, watch it, to watch it go down the toilet. Um, and okay. you were betting for like uh, Horcher to win and Holtzman to win on Wolverine. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was I was really torn on that. Yeah, the bad bad, uh, bad betting on my behalf. I, apparently, I bet on Alejandro Perez without without even really knowing, and then luckily he won uh, via decision against Yuri Alcantara, and that kind of prevented me from really losing a substantial amount of money. So. Um, that's always a good. That's the best thing to do when you when you win a bet when you don't even know anything about it. That's always the best feeling. Yeah, that's that's a very pleasant surprise. Unfortunately, it doesn't doesn't come too often. So uh, other fights, other good fights in that card. Uh, we uh, we kind of tuned in a little bit late, maybe halfway through the prelims, I'd say. Yeah, that sounds about right. But uh, I remember uh, Andre Sukumtov versus Luke Sanders being a good fight. I don't. I don't think we watched that fight here, actually. I, I was going to say, because I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I watched that fight uh, at a, a restaurant on my phone before I came here. And I remember Luke Sanders won the first round, and then Sukum Tai. Sanchez had the fights on? No, I was, I was watching it on my uh, my phone. Oh, I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, I've actually had problems at that place asking for them to turn the TV on. Like, I was there for a Yankees game one time, and they wouldn't change the channel. <laughs> it's hard to believe. Yeah. I had, I had school. I, dude, that pizza... Yeah, best in Philly for sure. Um, so Alexis Davis and Liz Carmouche, nothing going on there at all. But uh, the first fight that you watched, I believe, was uh, Benito Lopez and Albert Marias. Yeah, I believe so. You remember the end of that first round, or the first round they had a, I think it was like an exchange where th- they dropped one another back and forth, back and forth. And then they, uh, you know, swung for the fences at the end of the first round. Oh, yeah. Who I? You don't know who the guys were. I remember the dude with, uh, he had the blonde streak in his hair. He was doing these crazy jumping knees. Yeah, I don't don't remember who was who in that fight, to be (laughs) honest. But I do remember it being a wild first round. I think it sort of uh, tailed off towards the end, unfortunately. I don't believe the second or third round were too exciting. 
But um, oh, and we do have a third person on this uh on this podcast. You might yeah, be you could probably hear him. <laughs> you might be hearing uh uh Angie's dog Rocco. He's uh he's not causing as much trouble as he usually does. So uh, it's so that, down. yeah, we're we're we're, we're make too many appearances throughout the podcast, dude. Yeah, we're fl- we're flowing with yeah. with without him. Um, but uh, if if you really uh if that really bothers you hearing the dog, well uh. Sorry to sorry to lose your listen, but uh, <laughs> Rocco's the man, so it's a sacrifice we have to make. Uh, next fight, don't remember at all because I believe we turned on Lomachenko Rigandau. Yeah, we had it. I mean, two gold medalists. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Lomachenko is just. I mean, personally, he's my pound for pound fighter right now, as far as in my mind. Him and uh, love love me some Terence Crawford. Yeah, T. Bud. But is is uh, definitely uh, th- I think he's number one. But I mean, Lomachenko and him are one and two, no doubt. It's just what Lomachenko does to these guys. It's just yeah. That was I mean we can we can touch on that real level. quick. Even though uh, we're a, we're a mixed martial arts podcast here, this this is fight worthy. You know, <laughs> uh, if, you know that that fight was it was disappointing and uh it, you know kind of cool to see at the same time you know we were disappointing in that we were expecting Lomachenko to have a challenge for once you know we haven't seen him challenge since his uh second pro fight against Orlando Salido but um I mean his career just has literally came to a, a halt yeah screeching halt knocked out at the end um, yes, yeah, Salido. I believe Salido has already unretired, actually, saying that he's gonna fight in uh, 2018 after <laughs> after he retired earlier this week. That might have been uh, a joke, but I believe I actually did see that. Um, hopefully, that's that doesn't happen though. Does um, happen a lot in the fight business. Yeah, but um, as far as Lomachenko's opponents go, we were just we had our ho- hopes high for Ringendow, but uh, they were they were let down big time. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, we saw the sl- slow start, um, typical Rigandau fight. I mean, it didn't, nothing surprised me. Anything, but then he was just going on and on. It's like, oh, he's only landing. I, I mean, I, they, the announcer said at one point he was like, landing less than three punches around. It's like, I mean, you can do some fancy defense, but that's not going to win you a fight, especially when, I mean, Lomachenko was playing with him while he was doing it. It's just... Yeah, and to see Lomachenko dominate, that was that was the cool part, you know? But the shitty part is how Rigandau pretty much gave up. Um, we, Lomachenko. <laughs> yeah, the, there is the gif of uh, Lomachenko calling it on the stool as his dad is trying to shove his mouthpiece back in his mouth is is something special. Like the fact that they got that angle of him saying no mas at, before anybody else even, before anybody else knew, before the fight was called off, he knew. He knew what was going on. And it's really been that way with Lomachenko's past couple of fights. I mean, I remember the Nicholas Walters fight. It's just I couldn't. When they stopped it, I was just like, I mean, at least rigging down. I mean, I actually saw a picture of his fist where he had a pretty big contusion, contusion, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I mean, I mean, guys break hands in fights. I understand you got to push through. But I guess we're getting clowned at the same time. Like you get a reason out, but yeah, he was Nicholas in- Walters. It was just he just stopped playing and simply just like nah, I've had enough. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember I watching that fight, but so did he? Did Lomachenko fuck him up more than he did Rigandau? Um, I would say so, but I mean Nicholas Walters, he was putting up more of a fight per se. Yeah, and then he quit, but in some ways. But then I, I do remember rounds ending where Lomachenko literally is in his movement and stopping, and just playing freezing. And Walter's not throwing anything back, and they just let the round end. And 
It's just like yeah, it's 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 they need to really improve their matchmaking. I mean, you know, they we thought we thought they did. We thought they gave them a real opponent, but uh, I I guess the two weight classes proved to be a little too much of a, a differential for rigging doubt and especially in those le- um, those lighter weights too. I mean, there's not yeah, that makes too many huge difference. names down there nowadays. Yeah, now that uh, now that uh, Chocolatito's gone and. Uh, you know, I think Rungvisai is uh, a wicked talent, you know, the way he uh, he outclassed um, Chocolatito and then went on to knock him out. But he doesn't have anywhere near the notoriety that... Those uh, ties, man. Never count up the ties. Yeah. He, when... when <laughs> Seeing uh, him with those M- M150 shorts is... I mean, I love it. Yeah, that's dope. He, uh... And, I mean, the way he knocked out Chocolatito was incredible. Um, I remember, uh... Max Kellerman calling that fight, and he after the first knockdown, he said, "It seems like we're seeing the end of Chocolatito." <laughs> and then a couple minutes, well, to say the least, uh, I can say that. <laughs> yeah, um, so that fight disappointed us, and that fight also took us away from the main card, just like it did just now on this little tangent. But <laughs> we missed Eric Anders beating up Marcus Perez. Not too familiar with either of these guys, but um. Eric Anders is now announced as Leona Machida's next opponent. So that's interesting. sort of interesting. I don't like Machida's quick turnaround. You know, we just saw um, we saw on this card uh, Hick Diaz, Jason Knight uh, bounce back from a, a knockout loss. Uh, just a, a Very well, disappointing fight. I mean, well, disappointing to see. I mean, I do like Jason Knight. I mean, he showed promise and everything, but it seemed like he just guessed. Real early. Yeah, that fight. That fight wasn't him uh, at all. I think <laughs> biting the hands. That was that was crazy. Oh yeah, he bit he bit Gabriel Benitez's fingers twice. And I remember watching it. We we were like, what happened? Like, what, what, and then he was. We thought he yeah, on, back or something. On the broadcast, we thought yeah, there was like a, a small joint manipulation of some sort where like, his fingers were bent, and he just called time. But uh, the ref must have heard him say he bit me, and. Uh, thought that was reason enough to stop it which it is that's something super super strange and uh i wouldn't be i wouldn't disagree with some sort of disciplinary action against knight for biting yeah it's just that's such a weird thing too it's like how his hands even ended up in his mouth it's like i mean and when they're in there too i mean jason knight i think i don't know maybe i read some saw something just basically said hey if you fingers in my mouth i'm gonna bite him just <laughs> just kind of shows the mentality he has in there but yeah that's i mean it's a weird I, can't, I can't imagine it hurting that much with a mouthpiece in either i mean it's still pressure i mean i mean maybe but um that fight was that fight was very strange uh beneath basically just dismantled, dismantled him um yeah, he 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 looked pretty good. I didn't have much of an idea of who he was before that fight, but uh, he uh, he dominated. But I also think a lot of that fight was Jason Knight coming back from the Ricardo Lamas knockout too early. Only had about three or four months to recover, and you know wasn't the same. So after we saw uh, Derek Brunson flatline Machida, yeah, in that fight was in Brazil too, I think, right? Yeah, because I mean. That's distinctly right. remember the crowd going very quiet. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I love I love seeing that. I love seeing the the crowd go silent. But I I believe this this next fight is in a small Brazilian uh, city called uh, Belém, I believe. So and they said the UFC said they're desperate for a headliner, 
I believe it's eight weeks away, and Leo Machida is their guy. So don't like hearing that. No, I don't, and I don't know how much how uh, lethal Eric Anders is. He's uh he's ten and zero, um, you know two and zero in the UFC. He uh, knocked out Rafael Natal, so he's got a little bit of uh, experience behind him. And uh, you know I think that's all it takes nowadays to uh, be able to defeat Machida because he is on his last leg. Seems to be man. Sad, sadly. Off after the drug test and everything, just yeah, not the same. I mean, we'll see. You can maybe he'll come back into his own. Show that I mean, veteran against a I mean a young guy two fights UFC. Never know. I mean, guys like that they're hungry, so searching for a knockout most likely. Yeah, and we and you know, Machida is typically a counter striker, so we thought that uh, maybe Brunson he would be able to catch Brunson if. Uh, if he was, you know, swarming in like Brunson does, gets really anxious the first bunch he lands and kind of swarms. So we thought Machida... He's been on a pretty good streak lately. Yeah, I mean, he, he does have a little bit of a, like a, a fight IQ problem, maybe. You know, the way he, he does get a little overexcited and rushing a lot. He seems to kind of, I mean, a little bit at least curb that since uh, the Whitaker fight. And that was the her. worst. I mean, that was the worst example. up. Just swinging. Yeah. Just... Didn't, didn't really care about eating two shots as long as he got to land one. And that's not really the right uh, strategy to be going against Bobby Knuckles. When you think about it, I mean, looking at it now where, uh, where we said Bobby Knuckles is, as it, I mean, taking a knockout from a champ. Yeah. Undisputed champ. Newly yeah. undisputed champ after uh, yeah, G- yeah, GSP. GSP vacated this week, but... I didn't even think of that when I was thinking of things to talk about because it seemed like him winning the title was like a one-time thing anyway. Yeah, it was almost with no surprise, really. Yeah, so n- not not surprising at all. We all saw it coming. The only person who didn't was Dana White, uh, or at least his his public knowledge said <laughs> that he didn't. But I think he, the guy would be a moron not to not to know that that he was not going to come back for another fight. Uh, especially if if he heard about all of the medical issues that GSP was having, I mean that kind of questions where what GSP's future is. Uh, do you think GSP has another fight left in him? I mean, I'd watch it. That's for sure. But I mean, I really would like to see him come back down to one seventy if possible. I mean, Bisping, I would say he's. I mean, he's a pretty tall one eighty five. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But um, just looking at the guys at one eighty five, Luke Rockhold. But, I mean, absolutely dwarf GSP in there. Yeah, he doesn't want anything to do with 185. And I'm not sure he wants anything to do with 70 either. I think he knows that Woodley is a very tough fight. And Woodley is uh, probably the best in the UFC at executing a game plan. The only person who compares is uh, Mighty Mouse. But, uh, you know, when he... When he of, I mean, two great coaches, Duke Rufus for one and uh, of Woodley... And then, of course, Matt Hume. Yeah, but I think, I think, you know, it's weird. Matt Hume is much more accredited than Duke Rufus is, you know. Um, They've had a year. I remember that he posted something about all the fighters and the records this year. I think they went 7-0 this year. Rufus, Rufus Sport? Rufus Sport. Pretty crazy. Well, Pettis lost, though, right? Oh, well, yeah, never And mind. Sergio so lost. I completely forgot. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony and Sergio lost. Maybe I was just reading some guys that did go in. I know uh, Paul Felder, three fights this year. Is, but is he considered Rufus Sport? 
I know he goes out there a lot. I, I think, think um, yeah. Rufus, I, they're just sure they're cool. just waiting on CM Punk to come back in 2018. <laughs> come back for that a tear. Of <laughs> yeah, just run run through the. What is he fighting at? One seventy. Once, man. Yeah, with golf. Or yeah, what did he do? I don't know where golf fought him because golf's at one seventy yeah, now, right? Yeah. No, the fight was at one seventy for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, in Dana's interview when he was asked about Ben Askren, he said that guy is still around. And then when somebody asked him about CM Punk, he's like. I fucking love Phil Brooks, and it just seems like yeah, that's he, such a backwards world that he's Dana living. White not known to Ben Askren. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we all know he knows Ben Askren. Yeah, you know he likes to downplay it, but uh, Dana White's has has to lie for his appearance for some reason. That's part. Of yeah, I mean nowadays it's hard to take his words serious with all just saying stuff. Of course, it just doesn't happen. Really. It doesn't hold up to it. Says. Yeah, so getting back to GSP, I do think he has one fight left in him, but I do not think it's Woodley. Um, I think what would be a matchup you want to see. You already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> for the vac- for the for the new vacant 160 pound title. Oh, excuse me. The Conor McGregor is going to fight George St. Pierre, <laughs> and they're gonna they're gonna advertise it as who can get the third championship the first. It's they're, an easy sell. They're gonna have. They're gonna have a picture of them two on the poster. Two biggest you guys ever. The poster is gonna be both of them with two belts over their shoulders, and you know it's it, that that's the fight. There's you know there's some fights that uh that are undeniable. You know once once people started discussing Mayweather versus McGregor, it was undeniable because of how much money was in it. Oh, now this Pacquiao stuff is killing it. Yeah, uh, McGregor's. See, I think I think his next fight will be boxing, unfortunately, but it's just because the UFC isn't willing to pay and anywhere near, you know. It's if just he, the money with being a good promoter and everything that comes with boxing, you're just gonna the UFC doesn't pay out, but boxing pays out. Nowhere near. And it's sad that it's sad that Connor it seems to be totally compromised for money this point at this point, not really having much of a, a fighting spirit left in him. I mean Seems to be more in the fashion world nowadays than uh, anywhere else. Yeah, you know he. I mean, he definitely still has you know fighting. I'm not saying that he. You know, I think he would still dominate in MMA. GSP, I, he would beat Ferguson. He'd beat Khabib. Uh, don't don't want to see him fight Khabib, but um, I think he would. You know, he'd beat Nate again. He, would, him versus Holloway would be a great fight. So all tough fights, man. Tough fights. But all those fights, you know, even if he breaks the UFC pay per view record, he he's gonna a have to sell the fight all himself. It's gonna be all McGregor fans. And to be honest, I don't think that's what McGregor wants. I think he wants that that B side who can also contribute to the pay per view buys, which you know in the UFC GSP could do that. You know he could add maybe. Five hundred thousand. Nate Diaz can maybe add two or three hundred thousand. Ferguson, none, none. That's the problem. That's oh, yeah. Khabib, none. Holloway, none. So even the lizard. the boxing world too, too. Even with, I mean, Pacquiao too. Yeah. Even how ridiculous as it sounds for me to even say that. McGregor for Pacquiao. Yeah. No. But Pacquiao, I mean, that's gonna add value to a fight too, because people are gonna want to see that as well. 
Yeah, and you know we've seen Pacquiao lose in the in the past. You know, even though most of them are by bullshit decisions. Horn just fought. He just uh, TKO'd a guy. Yeah, I think I him. think Crawford and uh, Horn are mandatory now. Yeah, so. Um, but I mean, we've we've seen Pacquiao lose. We've seen him get knocked out once. But I mean, McGregor's uh, skills compared to Juan Marquel Mas. <laughs> <laughs> we all know. Yeah, Juan Marquel Vasquez, Mar- Marquez? Marquez, Marquez. Yeah, Marquez. you know who I'm talking about. So I'm disrespecting we've the. We've all we've all seen that knockout. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm disrespecting the legend, but fuck it. You know, as a hardcore Conor McGregor dick rider, I would even be upset with him if he fought Manny fucking Pacquiao or Oscar fucking De La Hoya for his next fight. Both of those ideas are so unrealistic. I mean, it's not even unrealistic because, you know, anything can fucking happen. But it's just, it's so out of this realm. It's insane, dude. De La Hoya is saying he's stronger and faster he's ever been yeah that that, fuck, that fucking cokehead needs to go back to promoting triple g versus canelo too because that's the only fight that people are going to care about with him associated with it you know i'd rather see mcgregor fight bob arum than oscar <laughs> de la hoya so you know the only matchup that's realistic for connor in boxing is pauline malinaji which you know, it, but the only problem with that fight is it doesn't sell well, you know? I think... See, but now we're talking, is that just a fight where we want to see McGregor just beat up on a guy? Like, from what I've heard and from stuff you see, I mean, it's just like the other, I think in the Notorious movie they released like a little more of the sparring footage. Oh, yeah. yeah. We should we should watch that. Just, I mean, I don't want to see Pauly fight again. I mean, yeah. Well, I, I don't know, because the... Here's the thing. It would. (laughs) It might. It it might sell. That's the thing. You know. I think. McGregor sells anything. That's the crazy thing. But honestly, I. You know. I truly see. I don't. I don't see him as. I I don't see him selling anything in boxing. I mean, it's possible. What? What if? What if McGregor versus Malinaji does like eight hundred thousand buys and like what the fuck? What did we just do this shit for? Like that's possible. Like I. I definitely think that. I think the number just came out recently too for. Oh uh, yeah, Mayweather. Four, was it four six? Four point three. No, it came uh, short. Of, the record's four six. Oh, okay, Pacquiao. Um, but it fell short by uh, three hundred thousand. You know, I think the week after the fight, Dana was like, "Yeah, the number is the number is six point five. We we hit six point five. You know, That's again back to just yeah, just yeah. Dana, Dana's full of shit." Um, it did. It did significantly less than six point five. I mean, four point three is good for for a money fight. Oh, it's huge. But uh, I don't think it's sustainable. You know, um, I can see. I, I can see McGregor versus Malinaji with the proper promotion. You know, if they got those the sparring clips, uh, you know, the, the the clips of them going back and forth outside the T-Mobile Arena, the, all like the back and forth, and they made a, a killer promo. It might hit two million, but I just don't think that Pauli Malinaji is gonna bring the star power to make even casual fans want to buy another McGregor boxing fight. Yeah, it would have to be quite the hype for the uh, Sailors. Uh, I mean, there's potential, you know, and I, I'm, I mean, I, I remember Pauli talking about. Saying, talking, he would he would always say, release the whole sparring footage. Go ahead, like I, I I whooped his ass. You know they they trimmed it down to fifteen seconds and made him look like that he fucked me up. But 
you know, if you watch the full 36 minutes they sparred, uh, you know, you would see who's winning. And I think the fact that they haven't released that yet is sort of an indicator like they're saving it for later. Interesting. And, and if they release it too, the even thought of that fight is kind of out the window because it's like, oh, well, here's, here, here's a fight. Yeah. And, you know, the... the I feel for Paulie because I do think that he got disrespected by McGregor. Honestly, you know he was got disrespected by that security guard on the invited. Oh said, yeah, when he's a, like, I'm, I'm a fighter, fighter man. Yeah, I'm, I'm fighter. a fighter. I'm a fighter, bro. <laughs> uh, you know, Paulie. Paulie's so ridiculous. You know, you know. He's but I mean he uh, he was what is his record? Thirty six and eight. You know he's fought he's fought some really really tough guys over his career you know tough decisions as well a yeah I mean, yeah when he, when he when he famous, fought Broner Broner when he was was that who he lost the decision to and he was like and he's right he straight up called boxing boxing is fixed everything boxing is fucked it, right like the in the thing ring I remember from that first fight is Broner is talking about stealing his girl oh uh, yeah yeah <laughs> again just having infamous post fight speeches yeah uh, by the way check out Adrian Broner's mixtape on oh, yeah. my, mymixtapes.com haven't listened to it yet but might have to listen to uh, AB on the on the ones and twos so all all in all I would say that the only fight I wouldn't be totally disgusted with Connor taking a boxing fight would be uh, Malinaji because that's a fight that he could win you know it would be a lot more competitive than I think Pacquiao I don't really know what to expect from that De La Hoya that would just be sad you know he he had a, he has a good chance at winning that fight Connor does but I don't I don't I don't think it would sell you know I don't think De La Hoya is the same guy he was 10 years ago to and, say the least no yeah like I mean and but but how Connor would tear into him with uh, the hookers and cocaine would be hilarious to see. He would, for he would print shirts for the press conferences, and uh, of of that picture of uh, uh, Oscar in the hotel uh, the hotel room, yeah, in the high heels, pantyhose, and just coked out of his mind. Um, but the, yeah, uh, De La Hoya is a joke. So that that fight that fight is. I hope never gonna happen. Um, so getting way, way, way back on track to uh, the Fresno card, which we still have not yet to finish. The only, the only fights that we haven't talked about were um, Scott Holzman versus Daryl Horsher, which was not nothing too, you know, worthy of worthy of talking about. Um, not too many moments I can think of. No, actually that. none. Uh, but <laughs> but the most exciting moment of the night was by far Marlon Rice's knee that yeah, he landed. knee, whatever you want to yeah. call it. I don't even oh, think man. he knew what he was throwing when he was throwing it. He kind of just threw his leg up and it connected. And, uh, you know, before that fight, you uh, you said, I don't know why the UFC matches Aljamain up with these killers. Like, he's not that good. Which I totally agree with, but um, I just really don't see him. I mean, they really are trying to trying to sell him, trying to make him a new star, which I could possibly see happening. I mean, he comes out of, I mean, Mark. I know he works with uh, Longo and Matt Sarah, guys like that and everything. But I mean, that's what was kind of cool about this fight too. You just had that that little East Coast battle with Marias coming out of Mark Henry's camp. I know he works with Frankie Edgar all the time. Yeah. But yeah, it's just. I don't see him beating guys, guys in the higher up of that weight class. Like, I just don't see it. Rise coming from what was the World Series of Fighting, 
champion. Yeah, he actually, uh, you know, had I think two what two fights in the UFC. Yeah, he he beat. Um, he lost his first fight to Rafael Assuncao in Brazil, and then he, his second fight was way more recently. It was only I believe a month ago. Assuncao, who I mean, he beats everyone in that weight class, not named um, T.J. Dillashaw. Yeah, uh, he, Raphael is very underrated, very consistent guy. Uh, but he beat uh, John Dodson, and that was November 11th. So he fought twice within four weeks and ended up getting two wins. So not too bad for Marais. He's getting way back on track from his slow start in the UFC. But, um, you know, that fight was short notice. It was supposed to be uh, Aljamain versus a different opponent. I'm going to pull that name off you, but I believe the guy got hurt. Pretty pretty far out, honestly. Um, Connie Yaya. So yeah, that's that's a that's a way better matchup for Sterling. Interesting coming off beating Burrell, even though Burrell, where he's at in his career, it's a big name to put on his record sheet. Yeah, Burrell is pretty much done. Um, and, you know, was a at one point was a big Burrell fan, but he's pretty much got nothing left in the tank. So uh, Marlon Rice, I would definitely like to see him. Yeah, I don't know if he's ready for like a number one contender fight, but. Um, Maybe a, a Sunset rematch next. That'd be a good fight. It definitely launches them up there with the top guys in that. Yeah, maybe Brian Caraway, uh, Jimmy Jimmy Rivera. You know, I would I would like to see all those fights. Mm-hmm. All right, and finally, we're gonna get back on track to talk about the main event of UFC Fresno, which was an in- pretty pretty exciting fight. You know, it was it was only uh, about eight minutes long, but it had a you know, not a lot of back and forth moments, but you know. The first round was definitely, uh, I believe, Ortega's round because he had that uh, anaconda towards the end. But uh, I thought he was had it. Yeah, yeah that was like... that was close. I think I think a lot. Uh, the only reason uh, Swanson survived that was because uh, because he heard the, he heard like you know the clap, the ten second clap. Yeah, and that, I mean he's not a guy who's gonna. I mean he did eventually tap the <laughs> later, but I'm just talking about it. towards the end of the round. He hears that, he knows. Yeah, he, yeah, he can, he can sweat it out. I mean, which he 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 needed every second of that. You know, that was that anaconda was tight, and that's exactly what he, uh, what he finished, uh, not Guido with. Who did uh Who did uh, Ortega finish? His last fight, I believe. What he he fin- might have. I thought he oh, finished. Uh, Renato Morciano. Uh, 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 he's that guy's. Uh, from what I remember that guy. Tried, I think he got Guido with uh, a knee. I thought he uh, he didn't eventually end up with a guillotine as well. No, he uh, uh apparently I, I I remember missing that fight, but I think Guido was fucking him up for the first two rounds, and then uh, oh, yeah, he landed this perfectly timed knee and pretty much flattened uh, Guido. They stopped it almost. Right it's crazy. That seems to be the way he wins fights now. Well, I mean, excluding his last early finish, of course, of Swanson. Yeah, he. There's, there's other fights he had. It's third round finishes on. Two fight or on four in two a row. early rounds. Yeah, four. I think four, four third, third, third rounds. Uh, finishes in a row, which was a UFC record. Um, unfortunately, he finished them in the second round at this at this one. Um, yeah, three three of them. Were, oh no, two two knockouts and two submissions, all in the third round. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, he's like one of those guys like Gaethje where you have to you have to hit him with a couple of punches in order for him to really be dangerous. Just you keeps know? coming, that relentless pressure, striking that really isn't. I mean, I wouldn't say, I mean, 
this is pretty rudimentary. Yeah, rudimentary strike. Not nothing too special. But uh, the way you know, I mean, and what's what's next for uh, uh for Brian Ortega? I personally would like to see a title shot. You know, Sky's the limit, man. You know, I I definitely do not want to see. Not definitely. I don't want to see Frank Yeager fight for a title. You know, he's 0-4 fighting for UFC titles. Oh, uh, I, I want to see. I mean that's a good fight for that's a good fight you know but you know we all we all want to see Max on the ground and I feel like I feel like his chances are better against Frankie because Frankie doesn't really go for submissions as much I feel like if uh, Max has one weak aspect to his game it's definitely going to be his jujitsu um, not saying it's bad because we really haven't seen it too much especially lately um, but uh, I definitely think that if Ortega gets uh, Holloway to the ground, he's capable of becoming a UFC champion. So I definitely wouldn't mind seeing the UFC skip over Edgar um, and give the next title shot to Ortega. Not to mention the fact that I am a firm believer that Frank Edgar faked his last injury. It, just, <laughs> just in order to get uh, some, some Middle Eastern MMA payment money, but you know nothing wrong with that. Um, so finally, we're gonna transition to tomorrow's card. Um, for all you listening, it's probably gonna be tonight's card because uh, this podcast will probably go up Saturday morning. But um, U- UFC is in Winnipeg, and I'm very, very excited about this card. I was looking at it earlier. Dude, even the prelims have me hyped right now. Yeah, there are, there are some good prelims. I don't think it's the best Fox card we've seen in a while. I think the main event... I think the main event is uh, excellent, you know? But, um... And I'm very excited to see Mike Perry fight, but not too many other Easily fights. my favorite fighter in the UFC right now, and I'm completely serious when I say that. <laughs> yeah, not, For so many reasons. Nothing's wrong with that. The way the dude is just seemingly... I mean, if you look at his Instagram, his <laughs> the ads he does are ridiculous. The training he does is ridiculous. Everything about him is ridiculous, but he keeps knocking dudes out, so that part about him isn't ridiculous. And... Uh, I hope that uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio is in that victim. Especially after uh, the way Ponzinibbio beat um, Gunnar Nelson. Gunnar Nelson with eye pokes just definitely leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah, and the fact that we saw some footage of Ponzinibbio doing that multiple times before, definitely very questionable on his behalf kind of fucked up honestly so definitely looking yeah, to see sure. that dude knocked out I think Mike Perry Mike Perry was plus 265 uh, okay. for a knockout which is ridiculous I think I think that's that's the way this fight goes I mean you know Ponzinibbio does have good striking but um, I don't see him being disciplined enough to uh, beat um, Mike Perry be a decision like the way Alan Joban did where he really kept distance, really used really the exposed Perry like in a lot of ways. Yeah, Perry just wasn't able to get anything going. But I'm interested to see Perry more on the ground. Yeah, but his uh, his game's pretty underrated or uh, unknown there. But I mean, he trains at a UFC gym, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. I doubt his jujitsu is too high level. 
Um, so hopefully we can see him away from the ground. I mean, we want to see the dude throw bombs. But, um, you know, the dynamic between him and his girlfriend being uh, his coach is just fascinating. You know, we've seen that with Sam Alvey, too. But, you know, no one really gives a fuck about that guy anymore. <laughs> um, so, you know, Mike Perry's were all the hype is now. Uh, I don't know if you heard his story with Darren Till when he was in Poland. Did you hear that? Oh, dude, with, uh, I saw an animated story yeah, today that, about the it, yeah. scene Dude, it's fucking cold out here. <laughs> It, that's weird the way and then after that fight I remember uh, he went up to you know after he, uh, he knocked out Cerrone uh, Till like was you know exchanging some words with uh, Mike Perry after the, and that's I mean I would love to see that fight it yes. always makes me just want to get this fight over with real quick just to see them make that happen yeah I, I wonder if this fight was announced before then because that seems like an obvious matchup to me I th- yeah it was I but I guess sure. and I think they're having some trouble Getting Stephen Thompson to sign that fight, so um, I hope I hope uh, the you know Mike Perry gets another knockout. Put a small little wager on that, so we would definitely be psyched to see that. Um, some of the prelims that uh, are uh, attractive are Saint Jordan Mean versus Eric Silva is a good fight. Just gonna bring that up, Eric Silva, who's been I mean definitely had a big fall from grace. Yeah. Some would say from USADA stepping in. 100%. Funny how that lines up like that. Yeah, and, you know, Eric Silva actually broke the wall, the, th- the fourth wall of MMA, and got into the mainstream media when he had that fight where he uh, tried touching gloves with, uh, who was that? A Nordine Taleb. And, uh, you status. Know, yeah, he, you know, faked, faked the glove touch, went for a punch, then ended up getting knocked out in the next round. So, you know, he was definitely kind of exposed on one of those, you know, Facebook videos or watch what happens. when this, I still see that highlight flipping around from time to time. When this is an MMA boxer. Um, that, was the, that was the <laughs> caption for uh, Joe Schilling's post about Keaton Jones by MMA a popular media outlet. Boxer. MMA boxer Joe Schilling exposes Keaton Jones' mother. And, you know, we might as well touch on the story uh, real quick because, you know, it was kind of funny. It was hilarious, actually, to see the transition between the reception he was getting, you know. One before, happened real, real quick. I believe the, the video probably came out maybe late in the week, right before the weekend. And the whole weekend, everyone was reaching out. Dana White was, please get me in contact with Keaton's father or I mean mother and we can you know take him to UFC show you know help this kid out and then with by the end of the weekend he's already the most hated guy like in the world you know for uh his you know racism exposed and the confederate flags I think his mother who uh rightfully so is getting a lot of the backlash which she should I mean he is just a kid when it comes down to it yeah she she fucked him big time that kid is gonna for pretty much his whole, I mean, as long as he looks like that, he's going to be remembered as a total joke, you know. If his bullying was bad before, I can't imagine what it's going to be like it's now. It's a shame, too. I feel bad for him. I don't, I don't know what it is. If, if I remember the video correctly, it looks like he has a scar on his head. It could be, could be some problems there, maybe, which just makes the story maybe more that, sad at this point. Maybe that $60,000 makes it all worth it, though, you know. Not not, not too bad of a check for, a good for a fake internet video. Um, the mom knew what she was doing, so... Yeah, what sucks is because the the kid's reaction did seem to be genuine. I don't think he was faking those tears at all. Uh, but then we realized that the reason behind him getting bullied 
was maybe because he was calling kids the N-word at school. And, Seems to be the story that it's And like. there's pictures of him holding Confederate flags on his parents' Facebook. So it doesn't seem like to be like the best kid. And it was kind of cool to see Joe Schilling uh, kind of, again, break that fourth wall, get into the oh, for sure. mainstream media. Um, I just see kickboxing. It's a yeah, shame. A it, bit, even though if they call it MMA boxer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it's a shame just... that people aren't going to know, you know, who he is still. You know, I... Uh, I Hopefully sent... this is like what I was hoping for is they could see Joe Schoen. Let me at least Google the guy. Oh, yeah. Maybe catch that Simon Marcus crazy fight they had. Yeah, I'm, I, was t- I sent that video of him exposing it to a group chat and I, I'm like, dude, this guy is awesome. Like, he... He fought one. Night, he fought in a kickboxing tournament one night. Fought four rounds, knocked the dude out, snuck out of the arena to smoke a cigarette, snuck back in, and then fought two more times in the same night. Like the dude is just like cut from a different cloth, you know. Different level of savagery. Yeah. Um. His uh, you know, it's, and it also sucks that he didn't get recogni- recognized as a kickboxer. You know, MMA boxer. That's fucking retarded. And his MMA career is pretty pretty bad you know him getting uh, knocked out by Hitsaki Kato was well with the MMA just some guys it's just the MMA was a spinning back fist right the MMA was a superman punch oh yeah kickboxing the way, spinning back fist the way his body bounced off the canvas after that that flying that superman punch was ridiculous and i think after the after that fight he went on rogan's podcast and he said he wasn't out like he was just you know he was rocked and he was on the ground he could have recovered like he was out cold you know and even though we love that dude so much i remember seeing a comment like dude you gotta be fucking delusional to think that you didn't go out cold there dude i mean that just shows how bad he was knocked out. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's how I did. I think that's very common with fighters, though. You know, when I see a fighter who acknowledges when he's, you know, loopy and fucked up, it, that's that's awesome to see. Like, I remember uh, when Lozon fought uh, Ally Quinta back in, uh, at, back at UFC 183. He was getting fucked up on the feet for a solid minute. Just, like, you know... He was running around, just trying to survive, trying not really dodging punches, just getting hit. He probably got hit 20, 30 times in one minute. And he wasn't about to go down. He was against the fence getting hit, but, and then John McCarthy stepped in, and right away, Lozon, you know, patted him on the butt and was like, thanks. Because he knew that he was getting fucked up. He knew that he was out of there, and, uh, you know, know, Lozon has a lot of weird moments like that with refs, you know, where he... He, remember he knocked out Takanori Gomi and then just kind of got off of him and then the ref stopped the fight after that. It's just guys, he's very conscious. Yeah, and then he had he had another weird instance where I think he stopped. Oh, with Diego Sanchez, he hit Diego with maybe five shots. Looked back at the ref. The ref didn't do anything, uh, and then he landed one more lethal blow. And then the ref was like, "Oh, maybe I should stop this." <laughs> so um, I love seeing stuff like that. I mean. It is scary. Like the UFC is just some stoppages. You're just like, what are you? What else are you looking for, man? Yeah, you know, I understand giving a guy as many chances as as possible, but there was a, a fight I was watching recently. It was a clip. Mazagati was looking over. I think it was in strike. Four, uh, no, it was. 
um, John Fitch and Josh Berkman. So jo- John Fitch shoots on Berkman and he grabs like a guillotine, chokes him unconscious, and Miles oh, okay. is standing above them. And he, Berkman just throws his body on his unconscious body off of him. He gets up, starts celebrating, and Miles is like, oh. crazy badass moment, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> you like see, watch that clip. Yeah, that was that. I mean, you don't really see that. From, I mean, you know, that's pretty much evidence right there that something something's going on in World Series of Fighting because Berkman went to the UFC and did terrible, um, in his second run. It's just a di- it's a different world. Yeah, um, but I mean, choking out John Fitch is no no easy task. But um, you know, referees are very inconsistent. But uh, we did have some good news about referees coming out of UFC Fresno. We saw two. Nice, uh, familiar faces, uh, ref and fights. Uh, one being Josh Rosenthal back from probably a five-year hiatus. The legend. Where he was, uh, you know, arrested, served jail time uh, for uh, growing weed and uh, was able to get recertified and luckily is back in uh, ref and fights. Very consistent guy. Nice to see him ref and fights. But, and then the other guy we saw ref and fights was Frank Trigg. Uh, was doing his first UFC event. Um, that was really cool to see. Um, you know, di- very unexpected. You know, you'd never... Ex- the Frank Trigg, the guy who didn't know how to lock up a rear naked choke against Matt Hughes in the title fight, you know, had his back, had body triangle, had his his forearm under the chin and just somehow couldn't lock up a choke. Such a crazy moment. Th- then ended up getting choked out a minute later himself. Yeah, that's one of the most insane UFC fights of all time. I do love seeing f- fighters, well, former fighters, referee fights. I mean, there's no one there's no one better than those guys. I mean, they've seen all they've been in there. Definitely. You know, spots and everything. Even, um, who was it, Chris Lytle, you see recently, I'm pretty sure he just got his license as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it takes it takes a pretty like a wise like a wise gentleman in order to be able to do that. You know, he went on the MMA hour uh, uh, the Monday after, and he said that. Who are you he, talking here, Lytle or uh, Trigg? Frank Trigg? Oh, okay. He said that uh, he failed John McCarthy's test like two times, I think, and passed oh, wow. him the third time. You know, so, and then uh, McCarthy said something like, "You know, it's hard to transition a fighter to a referee, even if they know everything. You know, it's still it's still hard, because you know we talked about like that. You know, fighters get knocked out and not knowing it. You know, there's so many fighters who." would see something and be like, oh, that, that guy's hurt now. He's hurt bad, but he could come back. You know, we've mm-hmm. seen him come back. We've seen... We've seen a different Frank- level of toughness. Yeah, you know, like if you're in Frank Yeager and Max Holloway, and Max Holloway's beating the brakes off of Frank Yeager like like he did for Aldo, you know. If, if you're a fighter, you're going to be you're gonna be like, Frank Yeager, I'm not, I'm not stopping this for Frank Yeager. Like, are you kidding me? We've seen Frank Yeager take beatings and come back and win fights. Especially Frank Yeager. You know, so that's where a fighter's mind would have to be, you know, altered a little bit. You know, like, you know, if Frank Trigg saw that, he might have to block that out of his mind, block that Gray Maynard fight out of his mind when he came back after getting knocked down, what, twice, three times in the first round and knocking him out in the fourth. He would have to disqualify that and be like, you know what, he's hurt. I need to stop this. So I can definitely see how it would be hard to transition from a fighter to a referee. But it, it, you're right. It is good, good to see guys uh, transitioning. Definitely uh, trust trust people a lot more, um, a lot more than you know seeing just some random referee. But the negative thing we saw about with refereeing in that uh, that Fresno card was the stand-ups. We saw 
a dozen stand-ups maybe you know pretty much Very interesting. pretty much any it seems like a really uh novice crowd not novice a really uh beginner crowd you know pretty much anytime the clinch or the ground was happening there was booing and uh a lot of breakups against the cage as well if i remember correctly yeah i don't know what that's about what that's about i forget who the fighter was who looked at looked at a ref like are you kidding me when he was like he was in side control working for a position and he gets stood up um i think it was holtzman um could have been could have been somebody else though um yeah so that's not good to see i think that's new that's a new rule there's you know something about limiting timidity of any kind and you know referees are really quick to pull that trigger on standing people up unfortunately so hopefully that's not a trend that we see continue so um getting back to these fights on the winnipeg card we got on the prelims other fights that are we know the names of john mcdessey versus abel trujillo two this guys this is a very interesting fight for me yeah it's interesting in the sense that neither guy has looked too good lately um the guys at a crossroads here yeah pretty much fighting for the jobs um we got John McDessey losing four of his last six. Um, had some tough knockouts in that one. We got his jaw broken by Cerrone. Yeah. And then he might have had his jaw broken again by uh, Lando Venata with that spinning wheel kick because he's been out for over a year. Um, so McDessey... Did he take that on short notice, if I remember correctly? He, I believe in the uh, the Cerrone fight was oh, okay. short notice. So it was supposed to be Nurmagomedov. Holy shit, man. How many Nurmagomedov fights have we missed out on just because he's, uh, has, you know, injury problems, has weight problems. Um, so, and then we got Abel Trujillo doing a little bit better. He's, uh, he's 4-2 in his last six. But, um, lost. He's coming off a loss from your boy James Vett. Yeah, uh, submission loss. But, you know, uh, he always has good fights. He always, you know, stands and bangs. So um, I think Trujillo might knock out McDessie because John's chin is not too strong, as we've seen. Um, another fight, Nordine Taleb versus Danny Roberts. Um, Danny Roberts fought... Mike Perry, yeah, I don't know if you remember that fight, but that fight was really back and forth, surprisingly super competitive. Came down to the third round, right? Definitely, and uh, that that knockout was something else. Like when when Perry hit him with the, even though he was totally unconscious, but Perry hit him, I think, with three shots when he was on the ground that just he's on the platinum highlight reel. Buried Danny Roberts, but I mean that guy's got a lot of heart in him, so I would definitely like this. That fight might be interesting. Um, Jan Blauchowicz versus Jen Jared Cannonier. I don't know if you know who Cannonier is. He's that black dude who is shredded. <laughs> he looks like he wears like sunglasses to the the wagons. If you if you know who I'm talking about, I remember after his last fight, he called out someone really surprising. Like it was like the most ass backwards call out ever. And uh, I'll see if I can pull it up. But I'm um. I, I doubt I'll be able to do too quick, so let's move on to the uh, next <laughs> fight. Um, what else we got on the main card? We got Glover coming back. Oh, yeah, Glover versus Misha Serkinov. Um, so, that fight right there, um, 
to be honest, has snoozer written all over it. Um, you know, both guys co- uh, coming off losses, am I correct? Yeah. yeah, Misha coming off a knockout loss to a Vulcan. Uh, Vul- uh, yeah. Who's the man? No, ta- no, no time. time. Yep. And then uh, another uh, knockout for uh, Teixeira versus Gustafson. Gustafson coming back after that big uh, layoff just lit him up. Yeah, that finish was probably knockout out of the year in my mind, honestly. Great to see if you're a Gustafson fan. Tough to see if you're a Glover fan, of course. But Good thing that Glover Teixeira has no fans. Um, <laughs> because that guy, he's just not 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 an exciting fighter. Um, just he really never lived up to the hype of uh, coming in from the UFC. Well, coming into the yeah, UFC. Yeah, 22-0 at one point he was kind of got rushed into a title shot with John Jones if I'm correct nah, I don't know he had five wins but I mean over Ryan Bader he showed prom- he's definitely showing promise but yeah um, getting older now of course that's true and then he did bounce back from those two he beat you know he had three finishes in a row holy shit uh, finished uh, Owen St. Peru Patrick Cummins Rashad Evans you know n- not three slouches you know so he's definitely still capable of winning fights but um I can see this one, you know, going to the ground, uh, and I think definitely that, favors Glover there. Yeah, not that I know too much about Misha. Misha uh, does have a black black belt, um, but um, I I mean I, I doubt it compares to the Glover has very very uh, underrated grappling. Yeah, I mean we we saw uh, Glover dominate OSP on the ground, and we've seen OSP choke out how many people, you know, and Devon Flute. Yeah, and Glover handled him pretty easily. So kind of shows the diversity in Glover's ground game, in my opinion. Not that, like you said, I mean, OSP's no slouch. It's just he works for his one move where it's really good, where I feel Glover, I mean, he's, he's just very diverse on the ground. Yeah, I don't know what uh what OSP's uh, grappling record is, or a belt is, you know, but he seems more of like a an MMA submission guy than like a jiu-jitsu guy, you know. So yeah, I mean, I, if it, no one's yet to be able to stop that choke of his, so yeah, <laughs> keep going for it. That's true. Um, but uh, you know, this fight definitely has the potential to be like a wrestle fuck. Um, I, I I believe the new rules are in effect in Canada, so maybe we'll see some early stand ups. Hopefully, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Neither of those guys can really put together too much on the feet very frequently. I mean, Glo- Glover can. You know, we saw Misha get knocked out pretty quickly against No Time, uh, and you know Glover does do pretty well in the clinch, but uh, I doubt I doubt that fight will be finished. Great dirty boxing. Yeah, um, I think he's actually boxing oriented. That maybe. Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, we already talked about uh, people's main event: Ponzinibbio versus Perry. We're, ch- we're rooting hard for Mike Perry in that fight. We like his chances in that fight, uh, unless Ponzinibbio has some sort of major transformation where he's uh you know sticking be, will be able to stick to a game plan i don't think he'll want anything to do with uh him on the feet you know he might be able to implement like a takedown heavy uh um game plan but do not know his he's got a black belt you know so uh don't know who he's got a black belt in these hands boy yeah, but I mean, uh, I mean, I, I, I can't. I, I gotta imagine Perry's jujitsu is blue belt level. Uh, yeah, maybe purple at best, you know. And you know, Ponzinibbio having a black belt is 
you know, something that might might uh, be a factor in this fight. You never know. It'd be great to see. I'm very, very excited for that fight. Yeah, me too. Um, co-main event. Unrightfully so. This fight was supposed to be Ricardo Lamas versus Jose Aldo. But, unfortunately, we're stuck with Ricardo Lamas versus Josh Emmett now. Uh, I think they should have buffed Perry up to main, uh, co-main instead of this. But, um, Josh Emmett, don't know much about him. Uh, he is 3-1 and one in the UFC. That's pretty good. Yeah. 12-1 okay. um, overall. Hasn't, hasn't really beat too many names. He beat Scott Holzman via decision. Has three decision, four decision fights, three wins. So, um... Don't see, uh, don't see him being able to beat uh, the bully, Ricardo Lamas, though. You know, we saw Ricardo fuck up uh, a much better fighter in his last fight, uh, even though we shit all over Jason Knight earlier. Um, he, Jason Knight was on a tear going into that fight, and Ricardo shut him down. So, I was just a guy. He has trouble with the top, top echelon dudes. Yeah. Like Holloway. He's pretty he's pretty much beaten any you know non top five guy in the UFC for sure. Which I I see happening of course. But yeah, I, I definitely put a bet on uh, mm. Ricardo Lamas. Don't remember what it was, but I think him finishing Emmett was pr- was pretty unlikely somehow. Uh, mm. I, I mean, this short notice fight, uh, Emmett missed weight by three and a half pounds. Def- oh, wow, I didn't even know that. Definitely think or two and a half because one forty six is technically the limit. But, um, you know, that'll definitely be a factor. I definitely see Ricardo finishing him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds to me he'll come out angry. <laughs> yeah. Nothing worse. That would be a fucking upset. Up, like one that. of the upsets of the year if Emmett wins that, honestly. For sure. Um, and then lastly, in the main event, um, an excellent, excellent matchup. You know, we got two former champions. Respected uh, different weight classes, but, you know, um, these guys are finally meeting... You know, this is a fight like you know you wouldn't even imagine a couple of years ago because they were at different weight classes, but all of a sudden it's uh, pretty much a dead even matchup. On I absolutely love this fight. Yeah. Um, see, th- this fight, I believe, it could go a lot of ways. You know, I think uh, I think Lawler could win a decision. You know, we've seen Lawler pull out a lot of decisions. You know, some fights that you know he shouldn't have really won. You know, like the Hendricks two fight, like. The Condit fight, um, we saw him, you know, pull off decision victories somehow. The Robbie Lawler fight, I thought Robbie, or I mean, Donald Cerrone, sorry. Donald Cerrone fight from UFC 214 was extremely close. I watched that fight today. Incredibly uh, competitive. Yeah, um, I think 29-28, I mean, Lawler might have won the first and the third round, but they were, they were close. Um, you know, but the, the, the thing about that fight is round two... It was in California, new rules. Round two, Lawler landed three strikes and Cerrone landed 29. I'm remembering this from watching the fight because it was shocking. So Definitely took a round off, it appeared. Yeah. Um, Which is surprising a dude who's been in, I mean, a lot of five-round fights. I think he, he so before that. Robbie Lawler has a notorious problem of starting slow. I believe, you know, he, in the... In the fight against Rory, he lost the first round and the third and the fourth. You know, so he, he was, came out like a bat out of hell and uh, against Cerrone. Yeah, so he, I think he, and then that was the first three round fight Cerrone uh, Lawler had in forever since what UFC one seventy one. I want to say uh, I can check that for sure now, but I mean the dude's been scheduled for five rounds for pretty much three or four years in a row. Yeah, 
So, I mean, yeah, since since March of 2014, so uh, well over three years going for five rounds, I think he was relying on that cardio, you know, and was like, I'm not going to start slow. Uh, Cerrone's the slow starter. I'm going to take exactly. take it to him, and that's what he really did. And then maybe he, may, you know, was a little worried about his gas tank, kind of slowed down round two. But you can't do that against Dos Anjos. I mean... He's Just not stopping. He's yeah. not stopping, especially at seventy now, where he's not cutting a crazy bunch of bunch of weight. Yeah, we've. I mean, Dosanjo said his best has put a pace on Anthony Pettis. You know, beat the brakes off Anthony Pettis. So I mean, if he you know shows up in that good shape again and is you know has a good weight cut and everything, destroyed Cerrone. Yeah, I mean, it, you know that was that was quick. You know that was you know first round. Body kicks. Yeah, um, that was you know Cerrone's body is. Very, very susceptible to shots, especially when he's cutting all that weight. Yeah. Um, so this fight, you know, uh, Lawler could win a decision, you know. Um, I don't see that too likely. I think Lawler could, you know, I don't I don't think that I see Lawler rocking him and finishing him via strikes. Um, I don't know about you, but it just doesn't I mean, doesn't seem likely. Dosanius is as tough as they come. Both of these guys are crazy tough. Mm-hmm. And yeah. his chin has got a, I mean... That's what I worry about Lawler nowadays. I mean, it just it almost feels like a matter of time where it's just how 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 old much old how old could you be and still have that iron chin? Yeah, I mean, I mean we've seen it crack recently, of course, with Woodley. Yeah, it lights out. Yeah, which makes me question. I mean, Woodley, that fight looked like he hit a button. Just hit a button and out. Like yeah, I mean, we've seen Lawler take shot before like you know barrages of combinations from Rory from Hendricks from Matt Brown Tonded. from all types of guys and didn't didn't look like he ate it you know the, the coolest thing ever is when Robbie Lawler takes a, he- a shin to the head and he smiles after like it's the, like the best part of his week he has like this like fucked up like smile he does where it's like a, a smile and a laugh at the same time like after he gets cracked he, you can tell he just loves fighting dude yeah um he he does that so frequently. It's it's like a signature MMA, you know, a real like a novice like recognition when Robbie Lawler does that like chuckle when he's getting beat up, um, you know. So this fight, I believe the way it goes is Rafael Sanjos uh, uses a very heavy leg kick plan. You know, we've seen just Law- thinking that Lawler is definitely susceptible. Susceptible, yep. yes, <laughs> to leg kicks. Um, What's very interesting about this fight on the feed is that they're both southpaws. So I'm interested to see how that comes in, that that factors in. Of course, both guys used to fighting. Just, I mean, in general, that southpaws are used to going against orthodox. Yeah, I think the first thing we're going to see is Rafael start to chop legs. And, um, his leg kicks are nasty. Yeah. And, and speaking of his last win with Neil Magny, that, that low chopping leg kick... Yep. What put him down? That's what got him to the ground. All took was one, you know. And one of Lo- Robbie's best strikes is his uh, body kick, you know. And what, Cer- how Cerrone got uh, Lawler to the ground? Watt was catching a body kick, you know. He uh, he waited. He caught the kick when he was coming in and used his momentum, took him down. Didn't really do much on the ground once he got him there, but. You know, what we might see uh, RDA do is when Lawler is going for that kick with his one leg, just sweep out the other leg with a leg kick and get him to the ground like he did Magny. And, and, and uh, that, that Magny fight is what really showed me that RDA is definitely can hang at 170 as far as strength and size go. Yeah, I mean, Magny being huge for 170 as far as length. And, I mean, 
good on the ground, and you see RDA just carve right through him. Yeah, and put don't, the squeeze on. Don't him. forget that he also beat uh, Tarek Safadine earlier earlier this year oh, yeah, for his true. for his first fight at one uh, one seventy. Yeah. Um, so we definitely know that he's a legit one seventy at this point. Um, That's why I really see him being a factor in this fight. Of course, Lawler being very hard to take down, but RDA having great wrestling. Yeah, I, I really do feel if RDA gets to the ground, he does have the ability to finish Lawler. Yep, definitely. Lawler being a guy who literally, I th- was it that I read the other day, I like I said, just yeah. stuff flies through my head if I see attempts. it. Zero submission attempts throughout his crazy <laughs> long career. Yeah. I mean, he has one, one submission. Like he, he got, a, he had not an attempt, Like he just locked up an armbar first try once, <laughs> uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, but hasn't gone for a submission yet, or since then. Which is ridiculous. Um, so I think, you know, I'm sure he, he trains jujitsu a lot, but he's definitely not too keen on using it in fights. So, I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't be too comfortable defending against it from, like, you know, uh, some, you know, and Dosanjas has got nasty submissions. Um, you know, we, uh, his last fight ended uh, the uh, arm triangle, you know, we saw him put the squeeze on. Um, See if he's got any more uh, submissions. Dude, he's um, looking thick at one seventy. Yeah, that's o- crazy. Only uh, only two other submissions at, in the UFC, um, not against two high level opponents. But I definitely think that Dos Anjos is uh, m- highest success rate per chance would be uh, to take him down. You know, leg kick early, wear his legs down. Take him down and then maybe go for submission round two or three. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, that's definitely the fight, the way I see it going. Um, if that doesn't happen, then Lawler might win a decision. You know, he might. Either be a, way, I see this being a crazy fight. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it a lot. Um, Eight p.m. Saturday night. It is technically tonight. We just passed midnight. So I mean, you know, that's that that card is uh, definitely a stellar Fox card. Really like the Fox cards when they start nice and early at eight. Oh, yeah. Um, you know we got seven prelims on the card. Only eleven fights in this card, so you know that that's pretty nice too. Keeping it light. And the reason why there's only eleven fights on this card is because we lost a fight uh, at the weigh-ins earlier. Unfortunately, um, Tim Elliott's fight against another individual who I'm forgetting the name of um, was scrapped. Unfortunately. Tim um, Elliott's just having a tough time even getting a fight nowadays. Yeah, um, and he was actually pretty vocal on Twitter afterwards about uh, demanding his full pay, his show and win money, um, which I don't know how you feel about, but I definitely think that there should be a clause in the UFC contract saying that if you make weight and your opponent doesn't, that you should get win and show money. You know, Seems reasonable to me. Um, you know, you're doing, you know, I think they, I think they only give you half of your show money as it is now. They should at least, at the, I mean, at the very least, full show money. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And then, you know, offering, you know, I saw some people talking shit to Tim Elliott saying, dude, you were offered 20% and turned it down. Well, the dude he's fighting was making $10,000. So for him to not cut five pounds, he weighed in at 130 or 129 maybe, um, his opponent, um, who I still don't have the name of, uh, so he weighed in five pounds overweight and was supposed to take two thousand dollars as his as his reward. I don't for for taking the fight. I mean that's ridiculous. 
Um, he would. That's my uh, biggest problem with the UFC nowadays is pay. I mean, of course, money just doesn't appear through thin air, but for what these guys lay on the line, it's insane what the, the, they pay these professional athletes. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the percentages of you know how much the athletes get in the UFC compared to NHL, NBA, MLB, and NFL, it's a fraction. Dude, you know? it's stunning. It's like to see the numbers. It's it's scary, it, man. Highway robbery. I mean, you wouldn't have all these dudes asking the Stephen Miocic saying, "I want to box boxing anything, Joshua." You wouldn't have Nate Diaz saying he's going to box. You wouldn't have Aldo trying to box exactly. or McGregor trying to box if you would just pay all these guys evenly or not evenly, just respectively. You know, I mean, exactly. there's so many, there's so many, so much fuckery going on with the UFC's pay system. Another problem is is uh, another issue with this thing is weight cutting. You know, every single week it's like all right, thirteen fights on Thursday, twelve on Friday, because every week someone's liver shuts down or someone hits their head in the bathtub or someone does some shit in order for them to miss weight, and you know that's especially why you gotta have the, this clause in the contract to get their show money. You know, I think it should be win too. I mean, you're you're doing your job. Everything about it is doing your job and you know for have this guy be unprofessional and miss weight you know you shouldn't be you shouldn't be penalized by that at all you know that's why i think you should get the win money is because you you spent money on the camp you flew out there you probably had a lot of friends family with you their whole weekend would be ruined along with yours along with your whole past six weeks you should get shown win so, but I mean, the UFC is not really too um, keen on making changes, nor giving out, uh, you know, really what they should. You know, they don't like giving out pay. They don't like giving out uh, sponsorships. They don't like giving out, you know, push promotional pushes to the right people. You know, they uh, they don't really allocate their uh, their time or funding too well. Um. Other news this week we can mention on, I think uh, Ngano versus Stipe is official for UFC 220. They uh, actually bumped this fight up to the main event. You know, they had uh, DC versus uh, Bulk and Ozdemir announced, but they made that co-main event. Interesting to see Daniel Cormier in a co-main event. Heavyweights, man. Heavyweights. Yeah, um, light heavyweight and heavyweight fight title on the same card. That's got bangers written all over it. Heavyweights, though. Especially these two guys. I mean, Nagano is a freak, man. Yeah, there's no way these guys are being coming in a bit. Um, how do you think that fight goes? Nagano? Nagano Stipe, yeah. You know, Nagano is just, he's so, it's just a surprise with him. You just don't know. As crazy as these wins have been and knocking these guys out, he just hasn't shown everything. He just hasn't shown much. I mean, he, it'd be interesting to see how he deals with Stipe's boxing. But I mean, if he lands that punch on anybody on the earth, it's going. He's going to sleep. Yeah. He, he he puts people to sleep. You know, I don't think. I mean, it's it's. You said it's boxing, but I don't even know if he has to be worried about that. I feel like anybody on the feet with with Francis is just inevitably going to sleep. You know, I mean, we've seen people. I think we've seen people to survive his fights. You know, I think Curtis Blades. Um, maybe went to a decision. Possibly, he has one win by. Kamor in the UFC, surprisingly, yeah. and we so we and we've seen a little jujitsu from him. We've seen takedown defense from him, you know, against uh, um, sort of with uh, 
Actually, not really with Alistair. You know, that was more it's of still a little clinch. against the cage, but it's, I mean, Clin- clinch defense. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Stipe does a lot of work in the clinch, so you know, being and I think he's just so strong. He's so strong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It might not even be skill. It could just be so fucking strong that you just can't. Uh, you know, can't get that guy down. I mean, you know, no one has gone the distance. I was wrong with uh, with Engano. I- everyone has been finished. So I mean. I don't know. I'm I'm this. You, you, I'm on the hype train. I'm on the Engano hype train. You know, I, I'm, g- I'm taking it all, uh, all the way to the immigrant mentality oh, championship. I think that uh, I, f- I think Stipe is going to sleep in the first, and I think it would be it's going to be fucking insane to see. Um, I mean, I wish I could go to Boston for that shit, man. That's incredible. I mean, to see a heavyweight title fight in person, especially when there's that. Oh shit! Knockout factor would just come in any second. Would be surreal. That's a guy who. I mean, we were talking about the fourth wall earlier. A big dude like that knocking guys dead. That that gets attention. That crosses boundaries, man. Regardless of anything. Yeah. Um. And unfortunately, I don't think his knockout of Alistair quite broke him. Broke that wall yet. You know, I think. I think, you know, we saw it on, we saw some highlights on some sports pages, you, you know, might have gotten reposted on Barstool or ESPN once or something like that, but he hasn't really uh, reached the mainstream yet, but, you know, uh, a knockout over the heavyweight champion to claim the belt would, would probably break that wall, and, um, you know, and then, and then, that's not even the exciting part, you know, the exciting part is in him getting the belt. The pay-per-views really start to sell is when people are just, you know, doing the Tyson effect where, holy shit, this guy's fighting Tyson. Is he going to survive? Of course he's not. We want to see Tyson knock him out. You know, people are just going to be paying to see, like, people survive against uh, Ngana. They're just going to take their 60 bucks and they're like, oh, well, I just want to see a, a mauling. And uh, chances are that's what they're going to see uh, against a dude like that. I mean, hands down, scariest guy in the UFC right now. Oh, yeah. Sure. You know, at one point it might have been Romero. You know, at one point it might have been John Jones, but right now, it is all Francis Ngannou. He is by far the biggest hype train in the sport right now. Uh, I think number two being Brian Ortega. But uh, you know, can't wait for that fight. Uh, excellent for the UFC getting it done quick. You know, didn't think they would get it done that quick. Uh, you know, two two months, not even two months. Three or seven week turnaround for uh, Ingano. I love how Stipe wants it too. Like, yeah, Stipe is not afraid at all. Hell not afraid at all. You know, uh, Rogan, you know, is a pretty big Ingano dick rider, and <laughs> Stipe had was on his podcast earlier, and Stipe, yeah, Stipe, you know, Stipe has to know that Rogan's a fan of him, and he and Stipe was like, I'm not worried because to get this belt, you have to go through me, and that's not happening. You know. So, he's got all the confidence in the world. That should be an excellent, excellent fight. One on paper, best heavyweight title fight we've had in a while. All right, final prediction on the main event tomorrow night. Who do you got, and how does it happen, and what round? Rafael de Santos or Robbie Lawler? I see RDA submission round two. Very exciting first round. I, I just see him doing it round two. Won't, won't call you a copycat, but uh, I think that's what I'm going to go with, too. Um, you know, round two does seem does seem like the round it, it's going to happen, but um, it could happen in three as well. Don't see it going past uh, uh, the 
third round, fourth round. I would not bet the over on this fight. I don't know. You know, whenever you bet the over on a fight, it's like you're cheering against something good happening in the first, you know, half of the fight. So that's not really, not never a good bet to make, in my opinion. Uh, I, I would always go with, you know, something, you know, a bet that's, you know, less common to happen, but something exciting you can cheer for, you know. I think Rafael de Sanchez was plus 665 when I bet on it earlier. So uh, I'm going to be cheering for a de Sanchez submission by crazy... Um, you know, not gonna not gonna be easy. You know, we haven't seen Lawler submitted in years, or you know, and Lawler's not easy to fight against in any ways. Yeah, <laughs> no slash unless you got Tyron Woodley power. But uh, other than that, you know, Lawler's a, a staple in in the game. You know, was a little bit worried about how he would bounce back after that knockout, but you know, he was game in that Serenity fight. That's for sure. You know, his chin stood tall. He was, you know, active. Won a close decision. Um, so you know you can't can't count Robbie Lawler out. Yeah, even though uh, Rafael de Santos definitely has the the momentum going in this fight. You know, two straight wins at uh, welterweight. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a great fight. Looking forward to it very much tomorrow. We'll probably be back in my man Angie's house to watch the fights. And uh, just want to thank my man for coming on the podcast. You know, being my second guest, the first in person Martian MMA podcast recorded. Amen. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was fun, dude. Um, yeah, even though we had some minor disturbances by Rocco, he's <laughs> Rocco passed, likes to get involved. He's passed out of sleep now. <laughs> um, we might include him in the in the in the episode title just because uh, he definitely had a few appearances. But uh, yeah, it seemed to, <laughs> he played a presence for ho- sure. Hopefully that didn't bother anybody. All right, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians. That will be all for episode three of Martian MMA. Thank you very much for tuning in, and I will be coming at you next week, uh, Christmas week, to recap UFC Winnipeg and to go over UFC 219. Once again, thanks for my guest, Angelo, for coming on, and I'll see you guys later. Peace.